please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. On behalf of Sham, Uptown Mike, and the entire crew, welcome right. aboard. Black Sand Podcast. The first guest. Back the one. Special episode. <laughs> the one, the only Javon Shepard. You know, what up, what up, what up? Thanks for having me, first of all. None. Yeah, you know, it's a special occasion. We usually don't have guests. But uh, my man Mike was saying that we need to start opening it up. And uh, with all this thing, with all this stuff happening around sports currently, definitely wanted to hit up a, a professional, uh, a national team member, a Division One Michigan Wolverines former member alum, you know, just to have their feedback and uh, just let us let our audience know about how it was. Me down memory lane, and I'm starting to yeah. feel old. Man, I didn't even talk about high school, you know what I mean? I left the high school part around. You don't have to, to reminisce about, you know, Mr. Basketball Canada, Mr. Slam Magazine, you know what I mean? We, because we could skip over that a little bit. But uh, I think what's important for us and for our audience is to know how you, you dealt with being a, a, an expat for all those years and having the level of success that you have. But more importantly, um, how do you prepare for life after, after sports? All right, so I'm gonna put you on the, the spot a little bit. I just want you to, you know, um, just explain how it was when you first left Canada to go to Michigan. Although it's it's literally, you know, next door, I'm sure it was a big culture shock for you in some regards. For sure, I mean, you know, from, from a cultural standpoint, we're, we, we're blessed to live in Toronto. This is, this is you know, this is a melting pot um, and, and, you know, it's extremely diverse. So for me, I think the, the, the toughest transition outside of basketball was was just adapting to, you know, being in the Midwest and, you know, the American culture. I mean, the Midwest, I was in Michigan, it's not nowhere near what Toronto is as far as like the melting pot and cultures and people of different descents and backgrounds. So, you know, the first thing for me was was stepping on, on campus and, you know, natural conversation, you know, that we have here in Toronto or, or Canada per se is, you know, just find out more about people's background and where they're from, their heritage, their, their lineage. And a lot of us are first generation Americans or Canadians per se, or in, in our in our case. And, uh, you know, I stepped on, on campus and somebody that looked, you know, visibly Asian to me or visibly African or visibly, um, you know, uh, Asia, East Asian or whatever yeah. the case may be, would just, I identify themselves as, as American. So to me, I would be asking, no, like, where are you from? <laughs> and the response was, I'm, I'm American. So that was the first culture shock for me. Yeah. Now, had I been on the East Coast or, or you know, somewhere along that line, it would have been a little different because it's a lot more similar to, um, you know, what we experience on this end. So for me, that was, that was the first experience where I was like, man, I'm living in a bubble. I, I have to adapt. But again, at that time, the big struggle for me is I wasn't as open-minded. So that was a struggle in itself before we even stepped onto the court. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I tell, you know, I had that conversation with Mike and, like, you know, I, I let him know how diverse we are in Canada. And uh, one of the things that you did touch, touch on is the fact that um, we are first generation. So, I mean, we're not coming from a place where our grandfathers were all in the same area, so to speak. Everyone comes from a different walk of life and brings different experiences. That's one of the things that I love about Toronto. And it actually helped me when I, I went overseas myself because I had um, 
friends from the Middle East. I had students from the Middle East that I interacted with. I knew how to interact with their parents when I met them at, at parent conferences. And that helped my life overseas a bit, you know? So would you I think that was also a testament to how ignorant I was because as much as they weren't as receptive to, to me, I wasn't as receptive or understanding or, or, or even attempts to understand how or, or much about the, the American history or, you know, how this could be that you're not from, you know, the West Indies or, or, yeah. or Asia. I was, I, I thought at that point, no, you, you just don't know what you're talking about. But in actuality, Canada's a fairly new country. So no, they've been there. Their, their grandparents, their great grandparents, their ancestors, you know, they've, that's hundreds of years of, of America being American. I didn't understand that at that point. So that was also, you know, my ignorance. Yeah, yeah. Would you, you know, say Canada's like that or is it just Toronto? Now, well, when you, when we go further east, like Nova Scotia, um, that was one of the yeah. earliest settling places for, for um, black, black uh, enslaved people. So they went to the east coast there. So, you know, Javon and, our, and myself, you know, we, we came up with the immigration uh, boom in Canada, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a, yeah. a, a long lineage of can, uh, black Canadians there. I mean, that honestly, that's actually one of my things too, because, you know, when I, when I deal with, um, when I talk about history in Canada, I forget that we have our own black history and I tend to focus on American history. Yeah, so same, same boat. But, um, who's that? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, got lot, you got a lot going on over there. Yeah, yeah. man. Dude, yeah, sounds dude, like <laughs> yeah, it probably is, man. Dude, going from work to, to this meeting to the next meeting. Yeah. But yeah, all right. So let's let's talk about um, your transition to overseas now. So uh, we can uh, we can look at a few things. So I mean, you know, me and you go back, so I'm I'm familiar with the, the Halifax stories, but mm -hmm. let's skip over Halifax. Mm -hmm. And just go straight into your first year overseas. Okay. From what from what aspect? From basketball or or life? So from well, from life. So so wait. One thing is when you played in uh in college, was there any big transition between Canadian ball and an American ball? For sure. I mean, you know, I, I left Canada as one of probably one of the top players, and you know, as far as competition, there wasn't much for me at the time, right? So to be competing, I, I created my own pace. I, I created the speed that I play at the intensity, and I could still dominate no matter what, you know, what I what I chose for the day or what level of competition I wanted to to play at. Um, which was obviously a bad habit to pick up, but at the same time, it's human nature. You can't, you really aren't going to be able to push yourself to 150 if your competition is slightly a, a bit below you now that that could also on the flip side that's also a testament to the to the work i put in to you know to get myself to that level but at the same time once i crossed over that border um there was four more levels that i had to get to and and, and you know physically net down like we could compete regardless of, of you know where we come from but at the same time um there's a there's a culture of basketball there's a culture of sport where it's a business and there's a level of intensity that you needed to bring day in, day out, that at that time I hadn't, I wasn't exposed to. So I think that was that for me was the first, the first experience, just understanding that this, as soon as you step, as soon as you step on this course, as soon as you cross over the border and you're not on campus, this is a business. This is there's a lot of money invested here. And everybody operates at that capacity. So 
for me, that was that was another thing where I, I wish, and even for the kids that I talk to now, when I expose them to that um, beforehand, just pro provide a support system for them that they're able to understand and be prepared for that. And I think that's what um, that's what hurt my career in, in in college is just not having that guidance and that understanding and um, adapting to that level of intensity a lot faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we last draft I think we had six Canadians. So like you said. In terms of being physically able to play, there's no doubt there's that talent in there. But the mentality and the uh, the style for me, when when we were playing in high school, one thing that I I I noticed is just how quick. Not to say that they're fast, but quick decision making. So mm -hmm. we could keep up with them in terms of uh, the speed, but they're doing that in addition to having that higher, sharper IQ. So that was one of the things. Mm -hmm. So what one of the things that I'm happy about, and uh, I think you know. The phase one, the, the grassroots community that laid that foundation is they opened up the prep group and allowed for our AAU programs to go down. And, you know, a lot of our teams have went down and we've, we've been successful. We've won big tournaments, you know, and now we we actually have a big hotbed. Toronto is a spot where uh, scouts would look for, you know, and that, that pedigree is also there now. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a good look. And guys like you, Denim Brown, they help uh, pave the foundation in that and set the and way for You know what, not only guys like myself or Denim, but it's also a testament to the growth of like the community in, in, in Canada. Because now, you know, I can speak from my experience, a, a big part of my shortcomings was also the fact that I didn't have the, the knowledgeable support around me. Now, that's circumstantial, right? Like my mother, my father, they don't, they're not understanding the business of basketball. They just enjoy, you know, turning on TV or going out and seeing me play well and do well. They don't understand that there's another level. Also the coaching that we had at the time, great. You know, they did a great job with, with how they helped us and, and, and directed us. But at the same time, we've reached a, a capacity where we're out of their realm. Like just, they no yeah. longer, they don't, no longer have, are able to support us. And that's not a knock on them. And I think, for us, a lot of a lot of the coaching at, at the time took that personally. Uh, when you oh. reach to, so now we're more knowledgeable. We we have more exposure, and even like the, the coaches that surround these kids have a better understanding of, you know, the whole the blueprint in order to get these kids successful. So yeah, it, it goes far beyond just you know the, the success of of the players that we've had in the past. But everybody's learned, and we we've all grown. And even you see, we have a lot more Canadian coaches in the NBA. Game continues to grow. Mike, I know it's a lot about Canada right now. I don't even. That's all good. That's all good. Even from the American standpoint, we just continue to evolve. You know, sport culture, whatever the case may be. So it, it's it's a testament to where we are. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to apologize. You know, we are the national NBA champions and all. You know what I mean? Right. So you know, we can, <laughs> we can stun a little bit. You know. Quickly, uh, but. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going, though. All right, Mike. So, yeah, so as far as your, um, your pro career, I see some of the places that you played at is Germany, Netherlands, Italy, Belgium, Romania, France. Of those places, like, which one, which one of those, like, stand out, you know, for good or for bad? Or can you give us one of each? Like, what was a great experience? You know, and then what was a bad experience? Romania, I hate it. And, and you know, I'll say this. It's tough to say which stood out for better or for worse because I think the ones that stood out for worse were also early on in my career when I was, you know, not familiar with, I had no, I've never even thought about Europe. My whole life I thought I was going to the NBA. So 
you know, landing on that plane and, you know, being in a, in a foreign place where they're not speaking your language, not, none of the food is familiar to you. Again, it becomes another culture shock. So unless you get, unless you walk into it with an open concept, an open, you know, mind frame, it's going to be tough. So had I gone to those places, maybe, you know, now per se, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Whereas, you know, in the height of my career, I was more, I was absorbing what was going on around me and I was, I was accepting, I was going to submerging myself in it and um yeah those were the times like italy uh, france loved it but i was also far more open-minded when i first landed in germany my first stop you know they gave me a drink what they call apple shoulder which was basically just apple juice mixed with um carbonated water i thought they were, had lost their mind <laughs> well, and this is a drink they drank religiously or even drank this you know during games now, fast forward, <laughs> fast forward, you know, what is it, 10 years later, you'll catch me pouring carbonated water into anything, <laughs> right? So yeah. grow into these things. And it's something so small, but it speaks volumes on, you yeah. know, just the different time frames and different minds, mindsets. So yeah, if I'd say the, some of the places I didn't like, Germany, Romania, Netherlands, but they were early on in my career. Yeah. So you had, yeah, I definitely understand that, uh, that mentality. And one thing that I, I noticed, um, I have a lot of staff coming in from, from, from Western countries and those that are, um, expecting the Middle East to be like back home, they're the ones whose year is just absolutely terrible. You know, some of the, uh, you know, why, why is my, why do I have, um, why can't I just get a regular, burger at McDonald's? Why does it have to be like a Mick, a Mick Middle East McDouble or, some, or something like that? You know what I mean? Just like those small little nuances, instead of being open-minded and trying like, you know, a garlic mayo with their fries, you know, just, or having a shawarma and all that stuff, you know, and just like opening up to the culture and just, you know, trying to, like you, like the good word, the word that you use, absorb. I like that, you know, just absorb what's happening around you. So it just makes your stay a bit more pleasant. But uh, or, or did go you, ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, did you feel like I guess because you thought you're you said you were going to an MBA, but then you're overseas. So for me, I could relate that in a professional sense. Like I wanted to move overseas abroad to live and all that, but I thought in my mind I was going to like a spent like I wanted to go to Spain or a Latin country, and I was fixated. And then you know things happen and interviewing and things like that. And it's like oh, okay, opportunity come up here, let me take it. But I wasn't all into it. I was like all right, I'm going to try it out. So yeah, like that, it was like, all right, let me do this overseas to see, see where it goes. But well, you know, mine was in a similar sense because Sham, you touched on it early, but the first stop I had was, was Halifax. And it was more, more situation where, you know, draft night happened here. And I, I still like, I still had drafts and I still thought I was going to the NBA draft. The draft night happened my, you know, our, our, my senior year. And I did that last pick. I, I still remember that now. That last pick went, and I basically was defeated. My like everything was the wind was taken from out. I was defeated. I just didn't understand how or where I was going next. You know, slowly got over that, and then this opportunity came to go out to Halifax just to just to see what was going on. Um, as an opportunity may be there, uh, which I actually still thought was below me. So it was a humbling experience. Definitely a humbling experience. Went out there and then. You know, bigger than basketball relationship is everything because after that experience, 
you know, I just basically got to the emails, got to emails, reach out to, you know, a lot of players that I knew that were overseas, a lot of agents that I knew. And then, you know, somebody having good character helps, somebody took a bite on me. And that was it. From there, just, you know, everything pretty, pretty much picked up. And yeah, those first couple of years, you had to take what was thrown at you, right? And, and make the most of those opportunities. And those are my most humble years. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then we move on to, uh, you know, uh, to Paris. Would you say that Paris is the place where you solidified your, your, your basketball career or, or Italy? Which, which one of those two spots? That was a, Paris was already on my decline. Oh, okay. I would say, I would say um, my years in Italy for sure were, yeah, were the, were the peak, were the height. Yeah, you and know, even maybe right, that, maybe right before that as well. Yeah, Germany, Germany's and Germany, Italy. Yeah, well, I I just know you know following for a bit, you know they they try to kind of treat you as a the poster boy in Paris, you know what I mean? But maybe that had to do with your uh, your community outreach and just uh, the way that you connect with fans. So that's why I thought Paris was probably your your, your spot. But if, you know, but in uh -huh. Italy you were balling out, catching some yeah. of those highlights. For sure. Times I think with with Paris there was a bit more, you know, they were leveraging my career and, and maybe marketing a bit more as opposed to, you know, yeah, as opposed to being like, I'm the prime virus, my prime time, so. Yeah, yeah. You also, you also play for the national team, you know what I mean? And uh, big up to anyone that, that dedicated um, the time in their off season to go and represent the country, you know, cause it's, it's a grind. You know, it's not, you know, a lot of people would use that time to, to build their bodies back up and to have that commitment with their family. But, you know, it's a sacrifice that mm -hmm. anyone that plays that I, you know, that I, that I have to give props to. And being a member of the national team, I'm sure you traveled a few places. You want to just talk on that for a little bit? Uh, you know what? Those experiences were great, man. I think even more than the travel, just the camaraderie and just being able to be in the same space with, you know, some of those players, most coaches, like these are, these are the top players. And I, I didn't really understand it at the time. These were, you're one of 12 in your country to represent your country. So you are the elite of the elite. Um, so I think once, you know, my time had, had passed and I really was able to look, I was on the outside looking in, I was like, whoa, that was a big accomplishment. But yeah, as far as, as my basketball career goes, like those are some of my greatest experiences, especially playing in the world championships, which is, you know, the, the biggest, platform for for you know basketball where basketball is concerned outside of the, the NBA championship because this is this is now you have the best players across the world it's international so it's yeah it's that I can't say enough about that experience so I got a question for you um because nowadays you have um you know this concept of more than an athlete and all that so you going overseas when you first hit the ground running are you just solely focused on basketball or are you out in all these different countries thinking about, okay, can I start a business out here? What can I do out here as far as investments is concerned and all that? It goes, you know what, to answer that, it's also like that goes back to the different stages of life and in your mind. Because when my first two or three years, I'm all basketball. I'm all basketball. I'm going, I'm going back to the NBA or I'm going to play in EuroLeague. And that's the focus. I'm not even going out. I'm doing everything. You imagine, right? I go to the gym, lock in, perform, go turn up. Now, 
two, three years into that, you realize, wait, this doesn't last forever. And two, like, there's, there's a lot of people, you're around a lot of money now, not just players, but, you know, here's the CEOs, here's the president of the team. And these guys are all, they all own businesses. They all, and then you start to get familiar with former players that are doing, you know, a lot of things in the community or have business, successful business. And it started from here. So you start to think, what happens next? And that was similar to, you know, my case in, okay, now I have to figure out, I started to figure out while I was playing, what's what's my other passion and, and start to invest in that. And that's how this whole real estate thing came about because at that point I was starting to invest in my own uh, remodeling and flips and so forth. So it, it kind of ties in, it definitely ties in. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, I would say, I guess this happened what towards the later half of your career and all that when you're like, all right, time for or when you just was it a point of you know you knew your career was was probably going to be over soon or was it you were tired of the traveling the expat life and you want to get back home to family um how does that play in your mind you you was cutting out yeah i was saying um how does it play in your mind is it more so your career is about to end soon because of age or just you don't you falling out of love with the game or is it more so you just want to get back home to your family, Canada, and you want to make that transition? Well, it's, it's, you want to you also realize you've hit a peak in, in your, your playing career and you, 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 you see that there's new challenges out there for me. So, so for me, it was, I want to, there's some other challenges out there. There's a lot of other things that I want to accomplish and I'm not going to do this forever. So could I play? I could, yeah, I could play four or five more years, but there's other things that I want to accomplish and there's other, and I want to be in a position to help you know, a lot of the youth or a lot of a lot of athletes that are going to be in similar positions that are going to retire one day or may not play professionally, right? So I, I want to be that point of reference where, okay, you, you connect with me and I, I get you connected with whomever you need to, you know, continue to help yourself. Again, I think not a lot of kids, not a lot of kids, not a lot of, you know, professional athletes realize that this does end. So it was, it was more one of those things where it's, I started to invest and, and explore some other ventures and then I realized you can have the same success, you can get the same fulfillment and there's actually, there's a lot more money over there as well. So, you know, there's new challenges. There's something, I'd, I'd hit the peak of my career on the decline. There was, I wasn't learning much more at this point. So it wasn't as, it wasn't as fun, but the love, the love was still there. It just wasn't as fun to wake up every day and go to practice. I just wanted to play. I want to play, like it was two extremes. It was play games or train and, and better myself as opposed to I'm going to practice two, three times a day with a team and, and do the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, yeah. All right. So one of the things, since we're talking about transitioning back home, um, as someone that went overseas but no, knew exactly where they wanted to retire or had a, a base, what kind of advice would you give not only to athletes, but um, people working overseas in terms of um, solidifying themselves or setting themselves up financially. So, I know what your, you know, what your, what your, what your thing is. But you know, just explain it for the audience about um, your your real estate venture currently. You did touch on it a bit, talking about your flips and how you got started there. So maybe you just want to break that down a bit. Yeah, I was actually, you know, and I think Mike, you had mentioned earlier about bumps in the road, right? My first property, I think I had when I was 20, might have been 23. So I, I don't know, I'm getting old. 
and I, I learned a lot there, right? Like there was a lot of bumps in that, a lot of bumps in that, that experience and which I was able to, it could have done two things, deterred me or, or um, you know, brought me closer, which in the end, even though there was a lot of bumps along the way, the return on that investment was, was very high. So at the end, I really learned, okay, um, you know, this, this can be lucrative one. And, you know, historically, real estate is one of the, the, the only one of the biggest ways to gain to build wealth right so um at that point i, I just made a decision okay you, you have an interest in this learn it start to learn and, and understand the business the nuances of it and and really push forward so you know it started there and then i um said okay i'm going to start to invest in homes flip them rent them and, and then you know a couple properties later things start to roll so it was, it was all it's a all learning everything is learning i think the biggest key was surrounding yourself with people that you're that you're not just you're not that have more knowledge than you sorry have more knowledge than you in the in the field just so that you're you're constantly learning right and there's there's that means there's levels to catch up to so when i get into those spaces yeah i'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable but i'm you know i'm willing to learn i'm open to learn and it's paid dividends for me and the same knowledge that i could share to what i'm able to do now as an agent is to able to share that that same knowledge with people and friends and family and, and those that are, that are seeking seeking advice. Yeah. Hey, Mike, uh, Mike is, it took a while for him. You know, he's a dude who loves stocks, but uh, you know, with some oh. conversations, <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong with stocks, but uh, I'm, you all know, I'm all tangible. I don't. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we, yeah, I, we I talked about, some, yeah. I mean, as far as my experiences with that, it's, to me, that I know it's tangible, it's good to see it and all that, but it's like certain things and, you know, me and Shem has conversation, like it's a formula to it. It's not just buy a property and it's successful or it's going to run out. It's, it's not the same, it's the exact same. You have to know what you're doing. So I don't think, yeah. I think with anything, whether it be stocks, hoops, um, you know, real estate, you have to, you have to learn and educate yourself and be willing to. And then, and then all the, I think all these principles can be applied in any, in yeah. any, which is what you're willing to learn, what you're willing to understand. In your case, it's stock. I'm not willing to. I'm not. I don't have the patience. <laughs> I don't. Want hey, hey, we don't. We don't have to say too much about that. We asked Mike what his uh, best investment has been, and it's been his his real estate. Potential. So I mean, like, I was like, hey, I rest my case, man. But uh, it's from, for me, I like to diversify. So I, I am in the stock game, but I also have some properties as well. But uh, Shep, definitely want to uh, thank you for stepping out. And uh, before you go, though, I know uh, we, a lot of the young kids that uh, are going to be looking at this, because their parents are going to be looking at um, looking at their situation as, hey, this guy played overseas. You know, he's been overseas for ten plus years. You know, so watch this interview. So at this at this particular point, um, what would you say to an expat kid, a kid that's overseas? Because you've seen you've seen the the grassroots teams overseas, the clubs. They always have a junior team. What would you say to a kid right now in turn? Yeah. And it goes, it, again, it goes far beyond basketball. I'm always very, very broad in, in, in these principles. I think they can always be reapplied everywhere. But and it's something, a quote somebody gave to me is just make sure that you're working harder than somebody halfway across the world. 
and that stuck with me. I, I mentioned this on a, on, a, on a live the other day as well, where, you know, there'll be times where I'll be working out and, you know, I think I'll be done. Okay, I'm going to finish at six. I'm going to, you know, get a, a hundred dribbles, a hundred jump shots in. And it would just, that, that quote would, would, I would hear that quote replay in my head and I would do just a little extra just to make sure that kid in Iran, that kid in China, that kid in, in, in you know, somewhere in Africa isn't doing more than me. And that was, it was to a fall, right? Because every time I did the extra, I'll feel like I have to do a little more, a little more, because he or she, whomever it is across, and I just always was in, would envision that person doing more. And then I would just try and beat them. So I was competing with somebody I didn't even know. And somebody that probably doesn't even exist. So for me, yeah, the best advice, whether it be in, in sport, um, stocks, real estate, just try and do more or do more than you know somebody halfway across the world because you're you're essentially competing for that same spot all right i got i got one for you before we um head on out um it's a hot topic right now nba resuming some players want to play some players feel like it's going to be a distraction you being a former professional athlete how do you feel about that and what would you do in that situation play and use it as a voice play use that platform as a voice right now and the only way that we're getting on this court is to is that make sure that we continue to, to promote and, and, and put out, you know, the, the message that we want to, to speak. So use that not as a distraction, but as a platform and a space to continue to shed light, especially at the time where we are right now. The world's at a standstill, especially with COVID as well going on. So it's even, and that's just my opinion. We can, everybody can, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but yeah, the NBA. I mean, now you need to you need to speak up as well, and we need to be we need to be the league. Like everybody, sports unified. Now we we're the only professional league that will be starting up as a league as players. We have a platform, we have a voice, while the world's at a, at a complete standstill. You know, make use of it, because now like this, the controversy of the controversy and conversation of should they play, shouldn't they play? That's that becomes a distraction now as well. Yeah. So. I mean, there's no there's no right answer, but if, I mean, if we're avoiding distraction, we're not really helping the case with, with creating this conversation as well, because it is it is essentially the same distraction that we're trying to avoid. Yeah. yeah so use your right. use your platform. All right. Nice, nice. All right. So you got some else for him, Sean? No, that was it, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, probably home just now. So I appreciate uh, it. For Mike, we gotta get Absolutely. you. you out today, so we gotta get you. Out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you know he might be down for some some real estate ventures in, in Toronto. So he, I've been showing him the numbers, and uh, you know if they, they'll, they'll add up. That that U.S. dollar is stretching right now. Say no yeah. more. <laughs> for anybody, I, I have a I actually have a podcast coming out in the next uh, with well with the AC season as well. So anybody on that side over there, check it out. Can't right. really name anything yet. All right. I'll get it out to you. Definitely. We'll post the link to our, our platform and our socials. Make sure our, our listeners um, get a chance to, to listen to yours. All right. Appreciate you. Sure, right. man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah.